Last Sunday morning we learned what it means to be a worshiper. Why we worship. And God is after worshipers. Not just the context of worship. But God is after the worshiper. He said, I'm looking for worshipers who will worship me in spirit and in truth. So God is after the heart of the individual. Today it's the same thing. Why do we give? And God is not after our money. He's after our heart. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. Now, I, I'm going to have you do something uncomfortable for some of you. I'm going to have you repeat some things with me because some of you maybe have been taught to do this or you may think you're not worthy to do this or you've been, you, you may be taught that you shouldn't be doing this. But I'm going to ask you to do this for me this morning. Would you stand up with us, please, this morning? Did you bring your Bibles with you? Can I see your Bibles? May I see the Word of God in your hand, whether it be in your phone or, or on your, in your hand? Or It's wonderful to show up to the house of God with the Word of God. Amen? It really is wonderful. But let me just say this. I want, you to, I want you to look at your neighbor and say this to them. I want you to say to them, I want you to say, I am the blessed of the Lord. Say that. Say, I am the blessed of the Lord. Amen? Amen? Look at them one more time and say, look at your neighbor behind you, in front of you, anywhere around you, and say, I am the chosen of the Lord. Say that. Say, I am the chosen of the Lord. One more thing. I want you to do one more thing. Look at them one more time and say, I am the anointed priest of God. Say that. Say, I am the anointed priest of God. That's who you are. And God wants to bless you. God wants you blessed. Amen. God wants to bless those who understand His heart. God wants to bless those who represent Him on earth. God wants to bless those who walk out His will among the nations. God wants to bless those who become God's ambassadors in a dark world. God wants to bless those who bring the light of heaven to the earth. God wants to bless you. And you know, He, he may bless you financially. He may bless you physically. He may bless you by answering a certain kind of prayer. Whatever it is and however it is that God wants to bless you, He is a God who wants to bless. He's a God who wants to encourage. He's a God who wants His church rejoicing and enjoying a relationship with Him that is intimate and fruitful and faithful. God wants to bless you. That's what He desires. And His blessings are not just abundant on this earth. They're eternal in His presence. I'm going to live in the blessings of the Lord here, regardless of my challenges and my battles and everything that I face. And I'm going to live in the blessings of the Lord when I am in His presence forevermore. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. <coughs> chapter 7. The book of Matthew chapter 7. Why do we give? Why do we give? So we're in Matthew chapter 7. In a moment, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. And uh, we're going to find out some really unique principles about the blessings of the Lord. When you get to Matthew chapter 7, would you just respond by saying, I'm there. Amen. Amen. Now look with me in Matthew chapter 7 and verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, do not judge so that you will not or you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge, uh, which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure you use. Let me read again. Do not judge so you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure you use. Now did you notice something? The word money does not exist in any of these two verses. Amen. 
So we're going to learn what that means in just a moment. Now, in your Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 6 and, and stay there for just a moment. And stay at Luke. And in a moment, I'll read it for you. Let me pray. Just at, While you turn, I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, the one who has pinned down the principles that are everlasting and ever working. God, would you just imprint the Word of God into our hearts? Lord, would you just impress it on our minds to bring it to memory consistently? And would you make it a plan in our lives that we may walk it, walk it out daily? In Jesus' name. Somebody say hallelujah. You may be seated. Keep your Bible open to the book of Luke chapter 6. And I'm going to read one more time, uh, Matthew chapter 7, right before you. But you stay in Luke chapter 6 in a moment. Do not judge that you won't be judged, for you'll be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure that you use. Now, keep these two phrases in mind so you can recall those. Here, he does not mention money at all. He's talking about judgment. He said, if you judge somebody, you're going to get judgment back. He said, if you measure somebody, you're going to get measurement back, right? That's what he's saying to us. So he's talking about judging and measuring at this time. And now look with me in Luke chapter 6. And before I read Luke chapter 6, I want you to put a phrase down, if you will. And that is, God is after my heart. God is interested in my heart. Giving is a matter of the heart. Giving is a matter of the heart. The matter of giving is the matter of the heart. Amen? Now look at Luke chapter 6. Let's look at verses 37 and 38. Luke chapter 6. Uh, look at me at verse 37 uh, and 38. And let me kind of read you and re read with you these two verses very carefully. I'm going to turn there in Luke chapter 6 and verses 37 and verse 38. And we're going to read this. Now remember the, the verses in Matthew that we've just read. In verse 36 in the book of Luke, the Bible says, Do not judge. The same language is used. And you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you'll not be condemned. But he adds one more thing. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So, so far he's saying, don't judge because you don't want to be judged. Don't measure because you don't want to be measured. He's saying the same thing. But then he says, forgive so you can be forgiven. So he's given us the principle of how it works. He's really talking about the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Now, now he gets to verse 38, and that's a verse that oftentimes pastors may avoid, preachers may avoid, because really they take it out of context or they don't understand it. Look with me at verse 38. The Bible says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the same measure that you used, see that language? It will be measured back to you. With the same measure, it will be measured back to you. So now the whole thing comes into really kind of complete understanding. That, listen, listen given, the given is a matter of the heart. Right? So he said, he's talking about the law of sowing and reaping. If you take one seed and put it in the ground, it's not going to yield back one seed. It's going to yield back a harvest. Oh, now it makes sense to me. It's going to yield back a harvest. So listen, if you judge, 
you're going to get judgment back. So make the right judgment. If you measure, you're going to get measurement back. So get the right measurement. If you forgive, you're going to get forgiveness back. And you and I need forgiveness. But then he said, the same principle works with giving. If you give, then God is going to give back in different ways. Ways that will fulfill his plan in your life. And how will God do it? How would the law of sowing and reaping work with Almighty God? He said in verse 38, he said, when I give, he'll be given to you a measure Pressed down, shaken together, run it over, and it'll be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. Now we understand from God's point of view that giving generosity is an issue not only of the heart. It's an issue of honoring the principles of Almighty God. See, giving is an expression of love toward God. Giving is an expression of honor toward Almighty God. Giving is an expression of understanding the will of God. Giving is a, is a perception of understanding the vision of God for what He wants to do all around me. And giving is a privilege that God gives the child of God to join the kingdom plan of God while God is infecting the earth with His goodness and grace and love and forgiveness. That's giving. That's giving. That's why God encourages us to understand the concept of giving. Again, giving is a matter of the heart. Jesus made a statement in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. Now, people often ask the question. Uh, they may ask the question like, well, well, pastor, well, how often do you preach on giving? Now, I understand their question. What they're basically saying, how often do you preach on money? Because you hear this from a lot of people out there. Well, when I go to church, all they want is my money. All they want is my money. Can I make a statement? Your money is tied to your heart. Your money is tied to your heart. Have you ever seen people who may feel like they've been forced to give? And they're reaching back out to their pocket. And you can tell their heart is hurting while they're reaching back. See, money is tied to your heart. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. That's where your heart will be. Now, I didn't make that statement. Jesus did. <laughs> Amen. Jesus did. Now, let me kind of ease your heart for just a second. God is not really interested in just what you give. God is interested. He's not interested in your money. God is interested in the fact that you need to have a pure understanding and a sensitive heart to what he wants to do through your life. It's a matter of priority. It's a matter of getting your life in order with his so he can bless you. Remember, the blessings of the Lord can come in many different ways. It'll come now, it'll come later, it'll come forever. But the blessings of the Lord are absolutely sure toward the children of Almighty God. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. You see, if you today decide to invest your money in the stock market, I know what you're going to do this morning at 2 o'clock. I'm going to call you at 2 a.m. You're going to be up watching what the stock market is doing. Why? Because your treasures are in the stock market. Right? 
If your treasures are in another investment, I know what you'll be doing. Day and night, you'll be getting some education about it because you want to make sure that your, your investment yields back some results. You need some harvest back. So what happens? You're going to get up and give some attention to that treasure because where your treasure is, that's where your heart you And I made, a, I, made a, I made up my mind. Now remember, I came to the United States to be a millionaire. You know, when they told me if I come to America, I live like I'm in Hollywood and, and uh, I'm there and I'll be a friend with Tom Sillick and, and and uh, Tom Sawyer. No, I'm just kidding. Are you, are you okay? and, uh, and I'm coming. And, and you know, this, this is the mindset about America for all of us internationals who come. Uh, opportunities are here. Plenty is here. You're going to overflow with riches and money. And it's all about money. It's all about money. Right. So you come up here and you're going to be a millionaire and, and you come and you invest all of your life for them. But I made up my mind after I'd gotten saved. My treasures are going to be the kingdom of God. I made up my mind that if it doesn't advance the plan of God, I'm not going to be part of it. I made up my mind to be satisfied, like the Apostle Paul said, in whatever situation I'm in. I made up my mind, like David said, I just want my lot in life, my portion in life. I don't want more. I don't want any less. And with what you've given me, God, I want to honor you. I want to invest in the kingdom. I want to invest in people's lives. And I want to represent heaven on earth in a way that honors Almighty God. Why? (laughs) Because if you judge, you're going to judge back. If you condemn, you're going to receive condemnation back. If you measure, you'll be measured back. If you forgive, you're going to receive forgiveness. And watch this now. If you sow in the kingdom of God, you're going to reap back what God wants you to have. So why be stingy? (laughs) Y'all all right. So why be stingy when it comes to God's matters in life? Why so in the kingdom work of God, the leftovers when what matters in the, in, 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 in the kingdom work of God is the fact that God wants to bless us. He said, I'm going to put things running over in your life. Now, in ways that you need it, God has a plan, an almighty, mighty plan, an all-knowing plan, and he wants to bless you for it. So here's the, here's the question. How do I become a generous giver with a heart after God? I want to answer that question this morning. I'm going to give you four principles. Principle number one, okay? How do I become a man or a woman of God? How do we become children of God? Definitely with a heart like God when it comes to the matter of giving. And we all call that the generous heart. How do we learn to grow to have a generous heart? Principle number one, put that down. And while you're putting it down, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 15. If you don't mind, just put that down and turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 15. And I want to give you principle number one. Principle number one, for me to become a child of God with a generous spirit, I must deal, number one, with my self-indulging spirit. I need to deal with my self-indulging spirit. In other words, I need to recognize in my life, am I just insensitive to what God wants me to do with the resources that he's blessing me with? Or am I being sensitive with what he's blessing me with? And oftentimes people become insensitive with the resources that God blesses them with when you become totally self-indulging. 
And self-indulging literally means that you are not all about you. It's about what you think you ought to have. It's about the kingdom you think you ought to build. It's about the things that you think you deserve. And, and things are all around you and needs are all around you. And you just can't even focus. It's not that you don't want to. You've become so self-indulgent that you can't even focus on the needs that are around you. Those that are near, those that are far. So the first thing I need to deal with is my self indulgent spirit. And I want you to notice the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 15, and I'll read verses 7 and 8. God is speaking to Israel who has become that, become self-indulgent after God had delivered them, after He brought them out into victory. He brought them out into redemption. He delivered them from their enemy. And the Bible says in verse 7, if there is a poor person among you, one of your brothers within any of your city gates... In the land, uh, in the land, the Lord your God is giving you. God has given them the land. He said, don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Now, wives, would you look at your husband right now? And I'm just kidding. Are you all right? So he says, he says don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. Instead, you're to open your hand to him and freely loan him enough for whatever need he has. There's a context behind that. I'm going to share that with you in just a moment. Look at verse 9. Be careful that there isn't this, this wicked thought in your heart. Now, here's what he's saying to them. Look up here for just a second. He said, the wickedness in the heart of man causes man to be hard-hearted and tight-fisted. Now, that's, that's big right here. When God said, the reason most of us are self-indulgent, because there's something in us that is turning our hearts into becoming tight hard-hearted and tight-fisted, and we've become wicked all about it because now we've become all about self. Let's read the rest of verse 9. And then he said in verse 9, he said, the seventh year, the seventh year, the year of canceling debts, that's the year of jubilee, is near. And you are stingy toward your poor brother and give him nothing. He will cry out to the Lord against you and you will be guilty. So here's what God is saying to the people of Israel. He said, you know, you remember when I blessed you? Remember when I gave you the land? Do you remember when I came about when you were in complete need and you needed meals from me daily and manna came from heaven? You remember the time when I would send quail down your way? Remember when your shoes didn't wear out? You remember when I looked at your enemies and I defended you with a wall of fire? Remember when I opened the Red Sea and I brought you to Canaan and I'm about to take you all the way to your, to your land of promise? You remember these things? He says, now don't be one who forgets what God has done. Don't be so self-indulgent that you turn away because I call that wickedness. So I call that wickedness and the voice of those that are in need around you cries out against you. And here's what God is saying. He said, deal with that. If you want to be a generous individual with a, with a child of God who's got a spirit of generosity about you, deal with your self-indulgent spirit. Now, one of my favorite stories in the Word of God is a story found in 1 Samuel chapter 25. When Abigail and Nabal, Abigail was married to a man by the name of Nabal. He's a man who owned a lot of land. And, uh, and, and, and Nabal had a lot of cattle. He had a lot of, uh, a lot of land, a lot of servants. And his money turned him in. He became stingy, became self-indulgent, became proud, became arrogant. I've got it. 
So therefore, I rule. I've got the authority to control my atmosphere. David was traveling through. He's running away from Saul because David has been called by God to be the future king of Israel. And Saul was jealous of David. He was following David everywhere. And finally, David spares the life of Saul when you read it in chapter 23 and 24 in 1 Samuel. And he's on his way to continue to free up the people until he's crowned as a king in Israel. Nabal knows that. So David sends his men along the way. As a matter of fact, what David has done, he sees that Nabal has a lot of, a lot of uh, territory and a lot of authorities, a lot of possessions. So he, on his own, without being asked, he sends his men to protect the territory of Nabal. Along the way, he's traveling through and he says, he sends his men, he said, to tell Nabal to go ahead and give us some kind of an offering. In other words, just some food for my men to be able to survive through the journey. And Nabal responds by saying, who is David? Who is this guy? And he, because he had turned into his possessions and authority and thought everybody else is less of him, he denies the anointed man of God the privilege of serving, listen, and lifting up the men of God that were defending the nation at that time. And trying to bring the nation into alignment with Almighty God. David almost lost his, 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 his uh, patience with him, almost killed him had it not been for Abigail. But the Bible said that Abigail, when she recognized what her husband did, which he became a man of lack of sensitivity and understanding, the Bible says that Abigail prepares the food. She goes and meets David on his way to get rid of Nabal. She stops David from losing, listen, the privilege of becoming one of the greatest kings of Israel. She stops death to the tribe of her own people. And the Bible said that she gave her offering to David. She dismounted, got on her face before God. And here's how God described her. She was a, a beautiful woman, but here's the point, with a, with a great heart of understanding. She did not let the possessions that she had cause her to be blinded, to be sensitive and discerning to the will of God for the whole, of, for the whole nation. Abigail was a great woman of understanding. When you turn away from self-indulgence, you turn away from lack of discernment to understanding. <laughs> you, turn, you turn away to understanding. And that's what self-indulgence things does. Self-indulgence causes us to be selfish. It causes us to be internally greedy. It causes us to be all about ourselves. And God is saying, deal with that. And here's what he's saying also in Deuteronomy chapter 15. If a man knocks on your door, and it's about to be the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was the 50th year. But every seven years, they will plant the harvest. And we're coming to the year where everything will be forgiven. If you're about to hit the year of Jubilee where all the debts will be forgiven. Somebody knocks on your door, you may think, well, wait a minute. If I give him what he needs because his harvest is not coming up. And I give him seed to plant the harvest. What if he can't pay me back? And God is saying, don't think that way. Give and don't expect anything in return. Don't be one who says, wait a minute. If I bless somebody, what if they can't bless me back? And what God is saying to the people of Israel, give. That's what Luke chapter 6 was talking about in the earlier verses. And don't expect anything in return. And if it means that you give and you don't get anything in return, God will bless you. God will see you through. Your portions in life doesn't come from humanity. It comes from what God wants to give unto you. Amen? Amen. 
So to have a generous spirit, don't be like one who says, I need something in return. No, be like one who says, I'm going to be just like God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When it talks about giving, you cannot talk about giving without talking about the grace of God that has forgiven our sins. When it talks about giving, you cannot talk about giving without talking about the unconditional love of God that gave his only begotten son. Amen? So giving, to have a generous spirit, number one, you must, number one, deal with a self-indulgent spirit. Number two, <coughs> you not only deal with a self-indulgent spirit, number two, you have to deal with a, with a source of your giving. I must recognize that he is the source of my giving. I love the story in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, there's a man by the name of Barnabas, one of my favorite personalities in the whole world of God. And Barnabas is a man who saw the church growing. And there in Jerusalem, people are coming in because for the first time, they found freedom directly through the heart of God, through the Son of God, and understood the resurrection. And now they understood that Messiah has come and they can walk into their destiny. Jerusalem is crowded with people. They have needs all around. And those, those needs have just kind of consumed the church, which had very little resources. And the Bible says there's a man by the name of Barnabas. And Barnabas had a piece of land. And that piece of land was either to be invested and he was to benefit from it or to take that piece of land and sell it and increase the work of the kingdom of Almighty God. And the Bible said that Barnabas sold that land, brought it to the disciples, and there at the feet of the disciples... He laid his possessions there, and the Bible says it was used for the church to grow and multiply. I'm going to tell you, Barnabas is one of the greatest personalities in the entire Word of God. When you look at the book of Acts, you'll find personalities we don't often talk about. Mary, who understood resurrection and imparted that thought to the disciples. Barnabas, who understood what it takes to move the kingdom work of God forward. Paul, who understood what it means to invest his life so the church can go forward and see souls and cities and regions come to Almighty God. That's what giving is all about. Cornelius, a Roman centurion we're going to talk about in just a, man, in just a moment. Who was out of place in a place where he was hated. But he was, his vision was toward God. And the Bible says he was a devout man, a praying man that God honored. And God showed up to him. You see, he's a turning point individual. I'm going to tell you, friend, when your heart is just like the heart of God... When you have a given spirit about you, when you have a kingdom spirit about you, when you have a vision about you, you'll become a turning point in this life. You'll be the one who will guide the people to their destiny. You'll be the one who would free up people from their bondage. You'll be the one who would prepare generations to hear the gospel and receive the gospel. That's what it's all about. But you also recognize that it all came from God. It's all for the glory of God. It is to be used in the kingdom of God. And it's to be used to advance the plan of Almighty God. That's what givers do. They understand that Barnabas was a visionary. Barnabas was a disciple maker. Barnabas was a load lifter. Barnabas was a failure fixer. And Barnabas recognized unless he gives, the work of the church cannot go forward. How do I develop a spirit sensitive, generous spirit? Number one, deal with a self-indulgent spirit in my heart. Number two, recognize that he's the source of all things that I have. Let me give you number three. The third thing you need to recognize to have a generous giving spirit is not only dealing with a self-indulgent spirit. 
not only recognize the source of all of my blessing, but to also recognize that God is calling the bride of Christ, watch this now, to be a sacrificial spirit, people. To be sacrificial in our life. God is calling you and I to be people of sacrifice. One of the greatest stories is found in the Word of God. Look with me again in Deuteronomy chapter 15. And then I'm going to take you to John chapter 12. Look in chapter 15, verse 14. Verse 14, he says, Give generously to him from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. You're to give him whatever the Lord your God has blessed you with. That's why I had you starting this service by saying, I am the blessed of the Lord. Do you believe that? You believe you are the blessed of the Lord? You are. You ought to be the blessed of the Lord. We are all being blessed. God is saying, give out of what I blessed you with. See, you get, you get the principle? The third principle is God is saying, be a person of sacrifice because I'm blessing you to sacrifice, to give, to represent me in this earth. In the, in the book of John chapter 12, here's a man, uh, you know, Jesus comes in and he's, he's dining at the house of Lazarus and he's at Martha and Mary and each one of them is given in their own ways. Martha is given her energy and her time to prepare the meal before Almighty God. Lazarus has just come out of the grave and he's dead tired. And uh, Can you imagine Martha saying to Lazarus, hey, get up and help. He said, do you understand how tired I am? I am dead tired. I'm just, <laughs> and, and, then we've got, and then we've got Mary. Oh, Mary. Mary, Mary really understands what it feels like to, un, to, to know that God has blessed her. He's the source. Mary really understands what it feels like not to be self-indulgent, but to care about everything else. She brings... A bottle of perfume, anointed perfume. She's been collecting. Hebrew culture there says that normally uh, uh, women will prepare the, the anointing oil for their day of wedding. For the day of celebration. She brought it and she put it sacrificially at the feet of Christ and anointed Almighty God. The Bible says the perfume, the smell went all over the house. What was that? It was the savor of a sacrificial servant of Almighty God. It's the woman who understood, shall I keep what has been given to me, or shall I use it to anoint my master and the work of my master? She has prepared me, Jesus said, for the day of my burial. A sacrificial spirit who said, whatever I have goes to anoint the work of Almighty God. I wonder when the church is going to get to that place. See, the reason we don't get there because we think giving is all about money. We don't recognize. God is the source of all things. He wants wants us to give out of the blessings that he's already given us. As a matter of fact, he names it. He says, give, in verse 14, he said, you are to give him whatever the Lord your God has blessed you with. Has anybody been blessed by God in this house? Can I just see your hands? Has anybody been blessed by God? Can I see your hands again, please? Has anybody been, has anybody been overblessed by Almighty God? Can I just see your hands again? I'm going to tell you, friend, He's a God who blesses those that love Him. And watch me now. He blesses others that don't even love Him. Yes, He does. 
His favor in every season for everyone that is would receive from him, whether they are believers or not. He fed the 5,000 and many of them walked out on him. Many of them cried, crucified, let alone he fed them. He met their needs. He's a blessing God. He's a giving God. He's a glorious God. He's a generous God. He's a faithful God. He's a fruitful God. He's the God of the harvest. He's the God of hope. He's the God of salvation. He's the God of life. He's the God who wants to impart that which brings people to their destiny. That's the kind of a God we have. And because he's that kind of a God, he's a sacrificial God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That if you believe in him, you'll not perish but have everlasting life. I want to be a giver. I don't know about the teaching we do nowadays in our churches. We teach people to give so they can get. That's what we do. We teach them to give so they can get. And instead of developing a giver heart and a mindset, they develop a get heart and mindset. We teach them that, hey, if you give this, here's what God will do for you. Friend, we give to grow and glorify. We don't give to get. And then God knows what we need and he will meet our needs. Watch this now before we even ask. Before we even ask. For you to have a generous heart and a giver heart, you have to number one, recognize I need to deal with my self-indulgent spirit. Number two, I need to recognize that he's the source of all things. Number three, I need to recognize he's asking me to be a, a sacrificial servant. And lastly, I need to be a thankful child of God. Look at verse 15. Are y'all all right? Would you reach down to your wallet right? I'm just kidding. You're... Verse 15. Let's look at verse 15. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. Anybody redeemed in here? I'm trying to quiet down. I'm trying to keep me from having a holy fit right in this place. I kid you not. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command today. But if you, your slave says to you, I don't want to leave you because he loves you and your family and is well off with you. Take an owl and pierce through his ear into the door. Here's what he's saying. Remember that you are a slave in the land of the Lord and God redeemed you. If I don't do anything... As concerned giving, I give because I remember. I remember where I've been and I remember where I am right now. I remember how I used to think and I remember how I process right now. I remember the religious person that thought he had it all. And I remember the humility that I asked the Lord to give me every morning like I do right now. I remember what God has done for me. I remember that I used to be a slave to sin and now I'm free because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember that I was on my way to a selfish behavior that was all about me. But now I think of everyone else around me and I think of, I think of his glory in my life. I remember. I remember that I'm redeemed. And I remember that I'm cleansed. 
And I remember that I'm called. And I remember that I'm consecrated. And I remember that I am serving him. And I remember that my journey is plotted for me. And I remember the principles that will guide my life. And I remember the love that I didn't have that I do now. And I remember the grace that I didn't have that I do now. And I remember the mercy that I didn't have that I do now. And I remember the joy that I didn't have that I do now. And I remember the endurance that I didn't have that I do now. And I remember the faith that I didn't have that I do now. And I remember the fullness that I didn't have that I do now. And I remember the happiness that I didn't have that I do now. And I remember the security that I didn't have that I do now. I remember. I remember. I don't give to get. I give because I remember. I remember what God's almighty God has done. He says, remember that. The church at Macedonia and 2 Corinthians, they remembered that. They remembered that they were on the outskirts of paganism. And the gospel got to them and they remembered they took an offering, sent it back. I remember, I remember Randy walking right into the sanctuary. A man had been in and out of jail all the time and terrified the entire community. When he walked in, I remember the day that he walked in and terrified the entire sanctuary there. And everybody moved to the other side. I remember the day when I went and sat in his room, in his house in Dresden, Tennessee. And he told me about his history. And I remember what he told me. And I remember the very next day, next week, when he came in and gave his life to Jesus Christ. And I remember Randy walking right into my office two weeks later saying, Pastor, I just sold a piece of land. And it just so happened that you were talking about taking part of what God is doing here at the Shepherd's Field, the church that we were pastoring. And I kid you not, he had, he had this shirt and he had kind of blocks of things on his, right, right inside of his shirt. So I thought, what is he doing? And he pulled out. He says, how much do you need? I said, what do you mean? He says, how much do you need to finish buying that land? God is my witness. He opened his t-shirt and I thought he's going to pull out a gun. He pulled out money, stacks of money like this, (laughs) $20,000, pulled it out one after the other. Is this good enough? Is this good enough? Is this good enough? I've never had anyone like that. And he says, I want to be part of what God, I remember that. I remember the gentleman who owned the Mexican restaurant in our town. He would come in and say, Fadi, I just want you to know. I cannot attend every Sunday. I've got five restaurants. I have to travel here and there. But I remember him walking and he says, I want to be part of what God is doing in this church. And I want to give my tithe and offer. Remember, it's not an issue of money. It's an issue of the heart. And I remember Frida Jones. My wife, Lindy, remember Frida. Frida was a woman who was just like a Mary. She had very little, didn't have much at all. She owned a trailer in Sharon, Tennessee, right outside of Martin, Tennessee. Miss Frida Jones loved Jesus, worshiped Jesus. At that time, she was about 78, 79. The church was trying to close down on a piece of land that we will continue building the church on. And the church had a need for a specific need. And she heard what God is trying to do through the ministry of the church. And she'd seen lives delivered. She'd seen women and men delivered from suicidal thoughts. She'd seen marriages come together. She'd seen children being delivered from their sin and bondage. She'd seen people come to freedom. And Miss Frida came into my office one day. She said, Brother Fadi, the Lord told me that I need to give my trailer to the Lord. Now don't go saying that pastor is asking me to sign off my house to the church. Don't do that. I'm not asking you to do that. But here's what she said. God knows the story. And she said, but I own only a small trailer and it needs a lot of help. So I sent two people to go. I said, Miss Frida, you don't have to do that. She said, you understand. God told me to do this. You don't have a say-so in this and I don't have a say-so in this. Right? 
So she came in. I said, okay, Miss Frida. So I sent a couple of guys to go look at the trailer so we know what to do. And, 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 and one of them came back, and here's what he said to me. He said, he said, Pastor, I don't think we need to get that trailer. I walked right in, and my foot sunk right through the floor. He said, if we get that trailer, all we have to do is just kind of destroy it and, and, and kind of throw it in the garbage. It's not worth anything. I said, I said so-and-so, don't ever say that. It's not about the trailer. It's about the heart of the woman who said yes to God. Don't ever say that. Then I had a young man who just got into real estate. Here's what he said to me. Uh, Rob said, Pastor, I listed it. He listed it. God is our witness. In about three weeks, a man from Michigan called and he said, Hey, I just saw that so-and-so has a trailer for sale. I said, Yes, sir. She's, he said, well, how can I get in touch with her? So we got in, got in touch with Miss Frida. And Miss Frida, who's in heaven today, sold her trailer for $18,000. This is the trailer that everybody wanted to destroy. It was not about the money. It's about the woman of God who recognized what the will of God is all about. For the gospel to go forward in northwest Tennessee. This is what it was all about. How do I develop a generous spirit? That honors Almighty God. I deal first and foremost with my self-indulgent spirit. Number two, I recognize He's the source of all of my blessings. Number three, I recognize that He's calling me to be a, a sacrificial servant. And number four, I remember that I'm to be thankful for where I am, who I am, what I have, and what I'm called to do. And here this morning, the greatest gift you can receive from God. It's to recognize that He gave His only begotten Son. That if you're not a child of God, you can't be forgiven. That if you think you're not worthy, He can make you worthy. That if you don't think you deserve to be freed, He can free you up. That if you don't think you deserve eternity, He can seal your name in the Lamb's book of life. Why? Because the blood of the Lamb was shed, listen, that you and I may be forgiven once and for all. And salvation is not about what you can give. It's about what he gave. Would you bow your head with me? Every head bow and every eye close. If you're here today and you don't know him as Lord of your life, would you right now just kind of take a moment and just rest your spirit for just a second? And I want to tell you, if you're a religious person, self-made person, if you're a person that think you have to work your way into cleaning your life to be presentable before God, God is giving you rest from all of that. And here's what he's saying. Come unto me, all you laden, heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. He's calling you to rest. He's calling you to be saved. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He said, Fadi, is it that simple? Yes. If I complicated, I would not be true to the text. So this morning, if you hear and he said, Fadi, I'm ready to give my life to God. I'm telling you, friend, this is the greatest call for your life today is to surrender your life to Jesus. Pray a simple prayer like this. Dear God, come into my heart today. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from my wickedness. Give me your heart. Be my God and be my Lord. And help me to live the victorious Christian life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. In a moment, we'll give you instructions of what to do if you prayed this prayer. Amen. But just remember, God is here to make you blessed and a blessing. Amen. amen.